Gamers Podcast. We are excited to return once again to uh, the wonderful world of Garfield Games. It's like home. Yes, yeah, the gift that keeps on giving. <laughs> and now we are going to begin our um, dive into the West Kingdom trilogy that we will space out over the next few months in the lead up to this fall's release of Scholars of the South Tigris. Yeah. So the first um, step is to, you know, review the first of those three West Kingdom games, which will be Architects of the West Kingdom. Yeah. And this is a game that um, is very special to both of us. It is. This was, I mean, until Wayfarers came out, this was my absolute favorite of the Garfield games. Architects of the West Kingdom. Um, as we already mentioned, published by Garfield Games, co-designed by S.J. McDonald and Shem Phillips, with art by the Miko, as always, as um, we are accustomed to seeing in these medieval trilogy games. It has a complexity rating of 2.75 uh, base game on Board Game Geek, and that's out of 5. A 7.8 overall score out of 10, which is pretty high. And... Um, it is in the all-time top 100, mm-hmm. which we've had a few games in that category, but this one currently, I mean, this moves all the time, but currently it is ranked number 91 uh, overall and 79 for strategy games. So I think as far as the Garfield games go, I think Paladins is the only one that is um, higher placed on the top 100. So Architects of the West Kingdom it's set in the ninth century Carolingian Empire in Western Europe. And this is kind of around the, the rise of the kingdom. And so in this game, you're basically an architect, as the name suggests, and you are basically helping to construct the kingdom, which involves building buildings and contributing to the cathedral. That's kind of like the center of town. And you're doing that for the king and you know, along the way, you will hire apprentices to help you do that. You will gather the building resources you need to do it, which will include wood, stone, brick, and then, you know, the luxury ones, marble and gold. So in Architects of the West Kingdom, players are basically taking turns placing one worker. So unlike a lot of um, other worker placement games, you don't really have like just a couple workers. Like you don't get more workers as you go as you do in a game like Everdell, for example. In this one, it's all up front. You have twenty workers, twenty-one if you include the um the big one, the artisan that comes with one of the expansions. And you can kind of do what you want to with them. So every turn you're just gonna be placing one on one of the spots on the board and getting the corresponding resources, if it's a resource-gathering spot, or the corresponding action, if it's a spot that lets you do something right. else. So, for example, like, you know, you go to the quarry to get stone, the silversmith to get coins, money, the forest to get wood. Those are, like, the resource-gathering spots. And then some of the others are, like, the guardhouse, where you go to, like, free your workers from prison, or the tax stand, where you go to, like, steal money illicitly and lose virtue. Yeah. Um, the workshop where you go to like, you know, draw new buildings to build or hire new apprentices. Right. So, um, yeah. so it's really flexible and the like, just like Raiders, it's like, you kind of have this whole village with different spots that everyone can go yeah. to. So not unlike Everdell, but a more, uh, 
multifaceted economy, shall we say? Yeah, it's a it's a little bit less rigid than Everdell, I yes. guess, in that there are fewer spots that are closed. Right. So, like, when I say closed, I mean ones that, like, once one person goes to it, that's it. This one, it's like you can go and then you can go again and again and again. And part of, and other people can go too. And part of what is great about this game is that the way it's designed is that the more workers you put on a spot, the more resources you get. So if I have five on the forest, I get five wood. If I put another one and I now have six, I get six wood. And that can just keep going and going until your workers are removed, which can happen in one of two minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, the first way is both of them involve going to the town center, but the first way is you go to the town center and you take them back and get them back in your supply. So you would like capture one full group of workers of your color and bring them back to you. The other way they get removed from the board, and this is what's really fun with architects, is you can go to the town center and capture someone else's workers. So if you had five workers on the quarry, I'm like, wow, I don't want Ryan to keep getting, you know, that much stone every turn. I can go to the town center, pay a coin, and pick up all of your workers from one location, all five from the quarry, and then I have them, and I can then, on a future turn, drop them off in prison and get paid out for delivering your... um your delinquents to uh, the right. Now, uh, yeah. if I'm remembering right, you do have a chance to potentially reclaim them before they go to prison. The core of this game basically is what you're trying to do is you're just trying to build the most buildings to get the most points. So every building um, has a point value. It'll show what resources it costs to build it. And then it'll have some kind of ability. So it might be end game scoring or it might be like an additional ongoing benefit. So I'm looking right in front of me um, right now. I have the wood market that is seven points at the end of the game. To build it, you need two brick, four wood, and a gold. And at the end of the game, if you have the most wood, you get two extra points. Right. Um, yeah, so that's like basically what they look like. It's really nothing that complicated on the cards themselves. Um, again, like it does take a little while to get used to that Garfield Games iconography, but compared to, you know, Wayfarers of the South Tigers or something, this is really pretty easy. And they do a good job of like laying it all out for you on the back cover of the yeah. book. Well, and, and and then of course the other way you can build is working on the cathedral. In terms of the buildings that you're building, uh, you know, mm-hmm. some like you said, there are different benefits to them. Some of some of them will give you like an instant one-time bonus of a couple resources, perhaps. Yes. So what I have right now is the library. When you play the library, you can throw away a card from your hand. So I'll be a building card from your hand to instantly get two. Yeah. Cards. Yeah. Or you know, you'll have other ones that have like you know instant benefits that that you know move you up the the virtue track the virtue um and then yeah yeah or, or, or down, down right they usually correspond so like the creepy looking watchtower makes you lose a virtue whereas like the church makes you gain virtue which makes sense we've already covered the requirements in terms of resources for what you 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 need the building materials to build these 
you know, similar to any game like this, yes. like Catan or Everdell. But the other thing you need is there are three different types of craftsmen in the game. And yeah, these are the, yeah, the apprentices. Exactly. And yeah. so there's the, the artist with the, the, there's artists, there's like woodworkers, and then there's metal workers. And then like a stone oh, stonemason, mason, yeah. Isn't it, isn't it metal? I think that it's would make mason. more sense. Yeah. It's like yeah. Mallet. Yeah. So art. Um, yeah. And they're, yeah, they're marked off by like little symbols. So there's like a brown um, wood axe, there's a gray hammer and a yellow paintbrush that corresponds. Yes. And, but yeah, like b- basic gist is that in this game, you're hiring apprentices to be your work crew. You definitely want at least one to cover yeah. each of the craftsman types you just mentioned, because you want, you know, a well-skilled workshop of right. apprentices. And then like, you know, there's some that are just really worth getting because of the abilities they have, or like they might fit really well with like your individual player power. So some of them, like, you know, there'll be like a Mason or something who will give you extra stone every time you go to the quarry. So like, regardless of what his like craftsman symbol is, you might want him because then you're just going to have a really stable stone income. You know, you gave a good rundown of like the resources we're gathering. We talked about the, the different workers that you're apprentices that you're using to, uh, to build the buildings that are forming a bulk of your score. But, you know, as you alluded to earlier, this, these building cards are not the only way to score points in this game. And no, they're not the only thing. Yeah, to exactly. And so another one that features prominently in the theme of it, even if I think, you know, not to give too much away, we but we can discuss the merits yeah, of it. Yeah. But yeah, we so you've basically got this cathedral that is in the center of town and that requires, shall we say, more deliberate and concerted efforts to build up. It's some real like um medieval Catholic church indulgences. In oh, yeah. its uh, gold, the cost that it takes. Yes, that's very true. I I feel like I would want to see some invoices from the contractors for this job because you're you're yeah. facing pretty high opportunity costs here. And basically, how it works is you pay the same types of resources, but often in higher amounts. And instead of like getting a full building for it, you're adding one component to the to the cathedral cathedral. and yeah basically like the way the cathedral is laid out it's almost like a separate point tracker in and of itself and every time you work on the cathedral you kind of move up to higher levels of the cathedral and so you get more and more points the higher you go um and you also get like an extra benefit when you contribute to it but I think what we've found over multiple plays is that like for the cathedral to really pay off, you need to basically max it out. And even then it's not ideal unless maybe you have like a player power that like gives you a discount or gives you an extra bonus. Right. And well, and, and just, and just to kind of put this in perspective a little bit, like in order to max it out, you need to build there five times and not only are you giving up 
considerable resources to do so. You know, at the beginning, you're giving up just one gold or four stone. But by the top levels, like to max out that last level, you're talking two gold and two marble resources that are not easy to come by. And not only that, but there are added opportunity costs where you have to ditch a card every time that you're building from your your hand. hand. Yeah, which is another building that you could have been building. And you haven't even gone to the worst opportunity costs yet, which is going to get us to like what triggers the end game. Oh, yeah. Which is that... Um, so basically, as we talked about, you have like this whole handful, almost two dozen workers, right? But every time you build, you have to sacrifice one of them. They go to live in the guild mm-hmm. hall, right? And you basically, any worker that goes in the guild hall is permanently now not available. You cannot use it. So as you go throughout this game, you have fewer workers rather than getting more. Right. And so every time you build, including on the cathedral, you're using one, which means you're going to spend more turns like trying to get your workers back. And not only that, but you're... fewer turns having a bunch of workers right, or exactly. Else. And you're also, like, also, yeah, like, you could have used one of those workers to build a building that itself would be worth, like, you know, I just mentioned that pretty mediocre wood market was worth seven right. points. To get seven points on the cathedral, you'd have to build multiple levels, like two three levels points, to right? get to seven points. That's right. Exactly. Well, and the yeah. other the other thing um, to add there too is the upper level of the cathedral. It's a winner take all situation. As you get towards the top, like you can have up to three players build at the lower levels, but then the mid tier levels only two, and then for the very top level just one player can acquire those points. Yeah, so it's also like competitive. So even you can like you can put a ton of resources into it and still not get the payoff that you hope for. Yeah, you else, you could get locked out of know, it. Outflanked. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um and so with the guild hall, basically what happens to the guild hall is there are limited spots, which will vary by player count, um, to kind of keep the game more or less the same length and give everyone you know, roughly the same number of guilds. But once someone finishes the final spot in the guild hall, everyone will just take one last turn, including the player who filled it. So it works exactly the same as the other Garfield games in that regard. And so, like, there are no rounds in Architects. It's just, it's very, like, the turns are very quick and everyone just places a worker, places a worker, places a worker, and then, like, before you know it, it's your turn again. And then, you just keep going until that guild hall yeah. is full. Up to this point, we've kind of created the impression that all your scoring is based on building. And there's a lot of truth to that. Most of your scoring is coming f- from that. But one added yeah. score element I wanted to just touch on is the virtue track, where where over the course of the game you can move up and down this sliding scale based on it's a little bit like knights of the old republic the the uh video game where like you're making choices that are either bringing you towards the light side or the dark side based on what you're doing or like fable no i didn't same thing though <laughs> it was yeah. like that too where like if you were really good you'd get you'd literally get a halo yeah. of wings and if you're really evil, like your eyes would just get all bloodshot and you get devil horns and have like black veins. Oh, the, yeah, they would yeah. they would make you look physically <laughs> disfigured in Knights of the Old Republic, too. You'd end up yeah. looking like Palpatine by the end a little bit. 
Um, yep. But one thing this, I don't know if you could do this in Knights of the Old Republic, but what you can do in Fable, and you can do it in this game too, is you can kind of go back yes, and you forth can. on how virtuous yes. you are. So, um, because all that matters is really where you are at the end of the game. So sometimes it can be really um, strategic, actually, to be corrupt yes. um, while you're playing, because when you're corrupt, you can go to the black market and you can cheat on your taxes, which gives you discounts. Yeah, points. you're you're not paying as much for things. Points at the end right. of the game. Yeah, you're not paying as much, but you'll lose points in the game and you're not allowed to work on the cathedral. And, and there's also certain buildings that if you're too virtuous or not virtuous enough, you are restricted from building as well, I believe. Is that correct? I think really? so. I don't I don't know. It could be. I don't recall seeing buildings maybe, like that. I thought maybe I'm thinking only of the cathedral on that. Um, yeah. That's possible. Um, but on the flip side, when you are virtuous, you can work on the cathedral and you get points. So you're a good citizen. You pay your taxes. You know, you don't raid the tax stand or go to the black market. Yeah. Um, you get paid off at the end of the game in points because the king loves you and is very grateful for your contribution. You're held in high esteem yeah. at court. With that, do you want to get on to the expansions? Because yeah. there are two main expansions in yeah. this game. Yeah, happy um, to talk those through. Do you want to? Um, do you want to cover Age of Artisans? Yeah, yeah, I can. I can start us there. Cool. So in Age, the first alliter- alliterated expansion. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, so for Age of Artisans, there's a couple gameplay components that are added in. One is the introduction of a new souped-up worker, and this is a larger meeple that is basically worth double any of the others so it, it's worth two wherever you place it it's like if you send it to the quarry you get two stones exactly or if you the only thing about it though that and i think some people might not realize this because of how specific it is in the iconography and i, I know that we missed this the first time we played it as well is when you use it you lose a virtue um which again is like not a big deal but it's just something to keep in mind but it is awesome yeah um, and like that double bonus that it gives you applies for everything. So even if you, if it's like on the quarry already, and then you place another worker, it still counts yeah. too. Like every single time, yes. which is nice. Yeah. So so ideally, you 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 place it in a spot you want it to stay for a while, so you're not having to move it around that much. And then another addition to this game are these adornment and tool cards and Mm -hmm. these are basically allowing you to soup up your existing buildings or 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 like apprentices apprentices and so allows you to put bling you know like uh i guess on all those medieval buildings the gargoyles and the um Flying buttresses. <laughs> that's basically yeah. what these are. No, that's a good way of putting it. So, um, for instance, for for some like for some of the possibilities of like benefits that you can add to your apprentices. For instance, maybe you had a card that was originally just an artist with a paintbrush, but then you can add on either the stonemason or the um, the wood carver to to their capabilities. So it can give you more flexibility. There's a little bit of an engine building component potentially. 
it's literally an, an adding adding a new tool to your yes. tool belt. So it is pretty thematic in that. Yes. And the buildings kind of work the same. Yeah. Yeah. And the um but the thing with the buildings even more so is like they actually are scoring bonuses yes. more than anything else. That's exactly right. Like there's uh with the with the point bonuses you can get from the adornments on the buildings is is huge because you've got you got some that can get you up to seven points almost you know as much as a pretty decent building in its own right and then even some of the ones that get you smaller amounts you know sometimes are accompanied by other bonuses as well i think that generally like i tend to like tools and adornments more than you do and most other people i know of i tend to focus on them more because i don't know they just appeal to me but i will say at the same time i don't necessarily win so like they are an extra scoring component but that doesn't always mean it's the best way to get points like just like these um garfield games all tend to be it tends to be very much the case where like you can't really do super well trying to score everything you kind of have to pick and choose your strategy but what i like about this expansion is that it adds those new ways to score to like open up the game a bit again the same way the quest did yeah no i think that's true i mean and then the other thing i'll i'll well i'll i guess i was gonna say a few other things but i'll save that for when we get into gameplay tips maybe for the works of wonder expansion it very much lives up to its name because front and center are these huge hulking wonder buildings that are like some of the most, I mean, the most valuable point getting buildings in the game. Cause they're each worth like 12 points. They range in score from nine to nine to 13, but yeah, these are heavy hitters. Wow. Yeah. And so, and these are, these are like new buildings you can build, but they're special as you. Yes. And so basically, what they do is they get you a ton of points, but that's just the beginning because they cost Mm -hmm. a lot, but they cost a lot of a single resource. So there's one for each of the five primary resources in the game, brick, wood, stone, gold, and marble. And then you, in order to acquire it, you have to pay those resources there's a coin cost in addition to it. And then one other addition to the game that I should mention in conjunction with these wonders is there's an additional track beyond the virtue track on the left side of the board, the influence track uh, in. in so you'd be paying influence as well to play. Yes. To play the so you over the course of the game, you're, you're building up influence and you need your influence to be at a certain level to build each of these wonders. So if your influence isn't at that level yet, even if you have all the resources and coins you need, you're not able to build those yet. And what's especially tricky is that each of these buildings can only be built once. It's first come, first serve. Mm-hmm. And so once that's been placed and someone has fulfilled all those requirements, they get the wonder. They get all those points. Those also come with like additional instant benefits of moving up the virtue track too. But in addition to that, you get a little uh, 
wooden figure figurine. I wouldn't call it little. It's like it's yeah. It's, they're kind of like um, they're on par with like if you played Everdell with um, Spire. Yes, the big um, exactly. Animals. It's kind of like those. And yeah. so, and so, you place, you place them on, them on a spot. On, like, yes, on the wood spot or on the stone spot, one of the resource gathering spots, and then it counts as an additional worker. So you get a bonus every time you go there for the rest of the game. Yeah. Well, you could choose it either as an additional worker or as an extra influence. Ah. Either way, like that's really yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then the other part of this expansion that I actually think is more fun and kind of mm-hmm. a bigger deal. And this goes more in, um, this is kind of more connected to the influence track is it introduces a princess and a profiteer. And they are like these little black and white figurines that are, will be, each one will be on like one spot that will be assigned based on a mm-hmm. card. And anytime you go to the spot where they are, like certain things will happen. So the princess is kind of like the good one. So she's the little white one. And anytime you go to the spot where the princess is, you can um, give her a resource to contribute to building one of the wonders, which will ultimately add up to like discounting the wonders. And that will give you like a prize that's mostly going to be influence points. But if you contribute marble or gold, you can get like extra bonus rewards, like virtue or like one of the scrolls that has nice prizes mm-hmm. on it. Um, if you visit the profiteer, then every time you do that, you'll immediately get an influence. Um, the downside is though that like they will move every time there's a black market reset. And when there's a black market reset, like, if you had the most on the spot with the princess, um, you'll get like whatever prize is on that card that you're currently using. And if you had the most on the spot with the privateer, like you'll get the penalty on that card and they'll all go to jail. So it just like, it adds different incentives to going to different spots, um, which kind of changes up the game in a really nice way. So overall, I think like, this expansion in particular, the Works of Wonder, I think is what really elevates this game. Yeah, agreed. Um, and I'll get into like you know when we get to, into like our scores for the game, I will just say up front now that like I'll probably say it again. My score for this game is based off of both expansions being included, but particularly this one to the point where like I can think of two people who I played this game with, and they didn't really like it until they played it with the works of wonder expansion when that for came sure. so it's like and literally i have i have two people testifying that it is a game changing expansion and i think on my list of like favorite expansions it's definitely awesome. for sure should we talk a little bit about tips for first time players yeah and this is one of those games where i have a yeah. few um so we've kind of touched on I want to give two big ones, two big ones, but I think they can be summarized pretty briefly. And we've touched on both of them already. The first one is, and I think this is one of my biggest criticisms of the game as well, is the cathedral. I think, and I've tried, sometimes I go out of my way and make it my mission. Like, even if I am setting myself up to lose, I'm just like, you know what, this game of architects, I just want to intentionally go for the cathedral to see if it works it pretty much always fails. 
So I think the cathedral is not well balanced. And I think especially when you throw the wonders in, um, it's not a good use of your limited builds to spend it on the cathedral. It's too expensive for too much of a um, return for too little of a return on. Right. Like you said, you're getting more bang for your buck with the actual buildings. And I mean, the other thing I'll add to that is the cathedral. You're locking yourself in, not just in, in the sense that like, you know, you know, sunk cost fallacy. Oh, I'm building here and I don't want to waste what I've already put down here. But also in the sense that like, if you have cards that you end up not being able to gather the resources for in time, you can pivot and build other cards instead. But the requirements Mm -hmm. for what your, you resources you need to build in the cathedral are, are set in stone. So you don't have that flexibility. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, and then the other thing I was going to point out uh, for strategy was don't be afraid to be corrupt. Yeah. Um, because what I found is that like getting the discounts we mentioned before, the tax breaks, well, it's not even a tax break, the tax uh, theft <laughs> from being corrupt right. in this game, is to- it's totally doable to be corrupt for like the first half of the game and then have a good amount of time. As long as you're paying attention to the guild hall and you know, the flow of the game and how much time is left, you will have time to regain virtue mm-hmm. and get, if not fully maxed out on the virtue, you can still get pretty high up and end up netting positive points. So you still, you know, even if you didn't get the max seven points for being virtuous, you could still end up like having positive three at the end of the game and having gotten all the discounts and the benefits of being corrupt for most of the game. So I would just, you know, tell people don't be afraid to be a little crooked in medieval Europe. What about you? It pays to spread out your workers a little bit just so that you're diversifying enough that you're not making yourself like the most obvious target for having your workers stolen from a single location. Yeah, they might get taken, but there's a lot going on on the board. And I don't know, in my experience, you can sometimes push it uh, just a tad beyond what you feel like you might be able to do. Other people have their own things going on. Don't get too happy with the, uh, with the arresting just because it gets you some coin, but it's also, keeping you from building, which is the main way that you're scoring points in this game. Best thing about this game. Well, one of the things I really like about this game is what we just talked about that the way the workers work, like just because I feel like so many worker placement games like, like Everdell, like Dune Imperium, it's the tension of the game is based on the fact that you don't have many workers. And I, it's just the creativity of making it, oh, you have an abundance of workers, but they're slowly dwindling over time. And also, if you are too cavalier in where you place them, it can come back to bite you. It's just an interesting switch, uh, switch up of the typical way I've seen that mechanic play out that I think is really cool. Yeah, I completely agree. And I was going to say the same thing. I was going to say, like, it's just so fun to see. Honestly, I would call this like an inversion of the work yeah. placement game where like 
the scarcity goes in the exact opposite direction. And it just makes you have a completely different relationship with the game where like you're, as you said, usually working up to get to the point where like you have more of an engine running and you're more flexible. But in this one, it's almost like your most flexible term is actually. Yeah. First well, and it's, which is just, and really it's particularly agonizing at the end of the game. Yep. And you have, and you have a memory of what you've lost. So it hurts yep. even more. There's a monument to yep. all of their sacrifices. In the guild hall. Yeah, just their bodies laying flat in the guild <laughs> hall. It does kind of look like a No, it very much does. Um, so, worst thing about this game. Yeah, so, I mean, I mean it's the cathedral. It's the cathedral is the, right? the obvious answer. I was trying to think if there's anything else that comes to mind because that's the main thing, but we've already kind of talked about it some. The other thing I'll say is that okay. I think in the early game, you can sometimes see a bit of a log jam depending on which apprentices have come up because you might not get the ones you need to build the things you need to build. Now, to some degree, the, the wonders sidestep that issue because usually games where you're playing with the works of wonder, it's a mad dash for the wonders. And then you're trying to, you're trying to max those all out before you build anything else and at least get one or two of them. Um, but yeah, there, I have definitely played games where, you know, maybe one of those three apprentice classes just isn't, hasn't shown up in the cards and it, it really, really limits what you can do just because there are some different ways to score as we've described, but I don't think that the variety of scoring in this game is as varied as it is in Raiders. Yeah, I don't mind that though. Like I, I think that this game has enough variety and freedom in so many it other does. areas that I don't mind no. that the scoring itself is more streamlined. No, I, I would agree with that, and I'd say. Eight eight times out of ten, maybe even nine, it doesn't. It's not an issue, but once in a while, it'll muck up a game a little bit. Well, I, I have nothing else negative to say about this game. I mean, so with that in mind, you want to give final reviews? Out yeah, of 10? I think I would give Architects of the West Kingdom an eight and a half. I'm gonna go with a nine. Nice. What what makes it short of a nine? I think. Well, I mean, I think our philosophies on scoring are, I'm maybe a little more stingy and maybe to a fault. Um, Well, you said that you will never give a 10. Yeah. yeah. But but (laughs) I think that's a good question. I think for me, what it comes down to is, I mean, the cathedral's part of it, but honestly, that's not the biggest thing just because you can like tactically just choose to avoid it as we often do you know what's interesting is because because i've like thought about this enough the cathedral um i love how we just like keep going back to it because it's just that much of a thing i've looked on the forums on bgg and elsewhere about this and people asking straight up like is the cathedral balanced am i doing this wrong whatever whatever and like shem phillips himself has like gone into the forums and like defended the cathedral Mm. So like, what, I don't know. What, do you remember that seems what Shem like, said about it? Just like, yeah, like you are playing it right. It is balanced. Like we play tested it a ton. Like, you know, it just, I don't know. 
it should still be worth it, right? It shouldn't be the case where, like, you know, we've played this game upwards of 10 times, and it's just well known at this point that the cathedral isn't worth it. Mm. But anyway, I don't want to dig on the cathedral for much longer. Yeah. Yeah. No, but, I mean, I... I think this, I think this is a really, really solid game, obviously. And I, I think part of it is I can't help after playing Wayfarers, comparing it to that a little bit. And right. Just with everything going on in that game where you've got the tableau tiles and you've got your landscape cards and your seascape cards, and then you've got the constellations on top of that and then adornments on top of those. There's so many layers to it. Um, I still enjoy uh, architects when I play it, but there, there are times where I'm playing it. I'm like, Ooh, I, I hear Wayfarers calling my I wish name I was playing a little bit. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, man. especially because they're um, they're. I don't feel like they're that different of a time commitment, really. Like, like oh, what? Maybe, I maybe like. But don't you think it's? I mean, is Wayfarers maybe it's thirty minutes? Brain, brain maybe Wayfarers is like thirty minutes maybe. longer. Yeah, but also I still don't know if I would play Wayfarers with one, two people. Whereas Architects, I think, would scale just... Okay, that is true. That is true. Yeah, All cards on deck, as much as, you know, we've, we've raved about Raiders and Wayfarers. The ironic thing is that, like, you and I both really haven't done much exploring of the other games in the West Kingdom trilogy specifically yet. I think we each played Viscounts once. Yeah. And we're a little bit confused and we haven't played Paladins. So it's going to be exciting when we do Paladins next um, to kind of like come into one of these games with more of a fresh perspective um, without it being, you know, the brand new game Wayfarers and seeing what the other West Kingdom games specifically bring to the trilogy and like how the themes carry through. Because like, the, I know that like the virtue um, it's, it's something that carries through across all three games and obviously the theme. So, and it kind of like follows a timeline, um, yeah. and like a little bit of a loose narrative from architects to paladins to Viscounts. So it'll be interesting to, you know, kind of go on that journey over the next few months and get like some good plays in and then be able to really look at architects even with a new perspective, having the whole trilogy, um, in front of us, no doubt, and just seeing how uh, I mean, not to not to belabor the uh, building metaphor too much, but how the foundation of architects was built upon by viscounts and uh, paladins. Um, but yeah, really glad we had a chance to talk talk about this one. Just wanted to flag that we we saw the this past week the uh, Spiel des Jahres uh, nominees come come out. So we're looking forward to uh, digging into that soon in a future episode, and we'll uh, yeah, yes. we'll definitely be see what juicy new games are coming on the yeah. horizon. Always something new to play. All right, we will be back next week. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, and we'll see you again at some point in the West Kingdom. All right. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye.